0: I hope you brought a Bible with you this morning. If you did, before we come to the Lord's table, I want us to spend a few moments in the Word of God. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter. In our text this morning, we're going to see Matthew's record of Jesus celebrating the last Passover with his closest friends. Like all the Jewish people who celebrated Passover, Christ was celebrating Israel's deliverance from slavery as it's recorded in Exodus chapter 12. And even as Jesus was celebrating with his friends, he was aware that as the Christ, he would become our deliverance from sin by shedding his blood as the Lamb of God. Peter had outlined this truth or would outline this truth later in 1 Peter chapter 1 when he wrote, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life that was handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Paul hit this same truth in writing to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, when he stated that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. The final sacrifice, the final lamb, what occurred in the upper room between Jesus and his friends was not just another meal. It was an eye-opening event that would reveal the great love of God and the sacrificial atonement of the Christ. I want us to read about it. Matthew's account is found in chapter 26. It begins in verse 17. If you found that, if you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word this morning. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread... The disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sins. I tell you I will not drink of this fruit of the vine. From now until the day when I drink it anew with you. In my father's kingdom. And When they had sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives. Would you pray with me? Father this morning we ask you to bless the reading of your word. And I pray that in these few brief moments that we have. Before we come to your table. That this might be a time when we. Consider what you have done. Examine our hearts and see the relationship that we have with you and with our brothers and sisters in faith. Father, may this be a time of renewal, a time of communion, a time of growth in our own spiritual lives. Now, Father, I ask you, teach us from your word that which we need to know today, to prepare us to serve better and more greatly in your kingdom. Father, use us for your glory, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Jesus celebrated the first communion, the first Lord's Supper, as he celebrated this Jewish feast of the Passover with his apostles. This morning, we're going to celebrate as well as we remember what our Lord did. But before we engage in this remembrance together, I just want to point out to you how it is that the Lord's Supper is connected to evangelism. Now, I realize that probably some of you are saying, man, this guy's getting stuck on one tune. I am. I'm stuck on it. I'm never going to get unstuck off of it because there are people all around us who need to hear about Jesus. We've recently launched the Who's Your One initiative here with us. We're trying to encourage people. Find one person. Think about one person. Lock your prayer life and your efforts of sharing on one person and just see what God might do. I had someone tell me one time, you know, Pastor, this whole evangelism thing really kind of has taken over the church and, and it really shouldn't do that. I just want you to understand something, folks. Jesus was pretty nailed down on this when he said, go make disciples. That's what it's about, is helping people meet Jesus, understand Jesus, know Jesus, and walk with Jesus. And whenever we come to the Lord's Supper, people say, well, that's not about evangelism. That's about us and our relationship with the Lord. Not so fast, my friends. I want us to spend a few moments and just think about what happens when we come to observe the Lord's Supper. Because there are elements here that should remind us about evangelism. Let me just explain to you if I can. The bread reminds us of His body. Now let me just go ahead and jump ahead. Some of you are going to be shocked by this revelation, but here it comes. Are you ready? It's not going to be very long until Christmas. I've already seen the decorations showing up in the store. It's just around the corner. And I just want you to know something. When I see those decorations, I don't go, oh, not already. I kind of get excited. The kid in me kind of boils up because I love Christmas because it reminds me that God put on flesh. You see, when we come to celebrate Christmas, what we are doing is we are celebrating the arrival of Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation, God in flesh. Fully God, fully man. I don't understand how that works exactly. I just know that it's true. God stepped out of glory. He put on a human body. And throughout the course of his ministry here on earth, he was fully flesh. He felt fatigue. He felt hunger. He felt temptation. He knew every human emotion, love, anger, compassion. He felt it all. He gave and received love. And he experienced the pain of rejection according to what the word of God tells us. In his body, Jesus knew everything that it is and was to be human. And yet, as God, he was bruised and he bled for our redemption. Isaiah 53 told us it was going to happen. And it did. Jesus lived out the Old Testament prophecy. And Matthew 27 tells us of his scourging, how he was cursed at, how he was spat upon, that the crown of thorns, the nails, the crucifixion, how great is this love that he would endure all of this for me and for you. So when we think about this bread, and it's more than just bread. For the children of Israel, observing Passover, it was a reminder of a journey. But for believers celebrating the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder of a body. A body that was willingly sacrificed to pay a price we could never pay. But under this cloth, there are also trays that contain cups of juice and the cup reminds us of his blood now please understand something this is not anything gross this is not anything morbid although the world tries to paint it in that way Jesus said in the passage that we just read that his blood is the blood of the new covenant or the new testament if you will all of the old testament sacrifices pointed toward the cross pointed to the day when there would be one final lamb, there would be one final sacrifice. Under the Old Covenant of the Old Testament, as we read it, there were various types of sacrifices that were required to pay for various types of offenses. But under that Old Covenant that was based upon the law, blood was required to pay for sin. And so when Jesus came as the final sacrifice... The final Passover lamb, it was His blood that finally brought this system to its rightful conclusion. You see, it's His blood that provides for the remission of sin. People say, remission? What's that? It's one of those old Bible words, okay? What it means is forgiveness. Without His blood, you cannot experience forgiveness. Why would God do such a thing? Because he wanted us to understand how great his love for us is. So he substituted his one and only son. The perfect one. Without blemish, without spot. The one, the only one who has ever been without sin. He replaced him for us. I don't know how that impacts you. I don't know how that gets inside your head or inside your heart. I don't know how you feel about that or what that makes you think. I find myself, I think, sometimes, and I'm not anything close to what he was, but I find myself where I think the Apostle Paul was. You see, Paul reflected on this and while he was writing his letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter 5, he made a statement that just kind of uncovered this whole thing. He says in Romans 5, 8 that God demonstrates His love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place. Why would He do such a thing? He tells us in Romans 5, 9 because through His blood we are justified. The Old Testament sacrifices provided for an annual opportunity to appease God. The people would come and they would bring their sacrifices to the temple and the priests would do their duty and and they would take and they would shed that blood and it was to pay the price. It was to appease God for what had occurred in the past year with no promise of what lay ahead in the future. But when Jesus shed his blood, it wasn't about appeasing God. It was about satisfying the burden of justice. With Him, there is no other sacrifice. There is no annual journey to to once more offer blood. No, the sacrificial system is completed in Jesus Christ. So when we uncover this table in a few moments and we see the bread and we see those cups, we're reminded of the body and the blood and the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. But let me tell you one last thing. When we uncover this and we look in a moment at these trays and what they contain, the bread and the cup should also remind us of the blessed hope. Now, I know a lot of folks just kind of say, never heard of that one before. Oh, my friend. If you've not heard about the blessed hope, you need to hear. Because I want you to understand the blessed hope, once you start getting a hold of that, it will knock your socks off. You will find yourself looking at this table differently. You will find yourself thinking about Jesus in a completely different light. You say, well, what do you mean? It it reminds us of the blessed hope. I want you to look at verse 29. If you still got your Bible open and if you don't, open it back up. You need to see this. You need to see this. This is great stuff. Verse 29. This is the verse that most people just kind of gloss over and go on and think it's no big deal. This is a big deal. Jesus said, I tell you. I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. You see, this observance that we're going to have in a moment doesn't just look back 2,000 years. It looks forward to what lies ahead. And people say, well, okay, you say it's looking forward to the kingdom. Yeah. It's looking forward to the coming again of Jesus Christ. He says, in my Father's kingdom, in the place of reunion with the Master and his subjects. This is the reason in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26, that Paul explained that through this observance, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Gathering at this table should serve as a reminder to us about the brevity of time. Even its longest human life is brief. We need to be about the Lord's business while there's time. We won't always have the energy. We won't always have the resources. We won't always have the opportunity that perhaps we have now. We need to be about His business, sharing the gospel, inviting others to join us in His kingdom. time is now. The cause is urgent. Paul explained it to Titus. By the way, if you didn't know it, that's where the phrase blessed hope comes from, it's Paul's letter to Titus. And he said, we have this blessed hope. This blessed hope. What's that blessed hope? The appearance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the one who's coming again and when he comes again he will call his bride home and when that day arrives my friend the bride will be completed we need to make it our goal every time that we come to the Lord's table we come multiple times each year but every time that we come we should make it our goal to bring someone with us to the table who was not in the family before There are three calls to evangelism each time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. The bread, the blood, and the blessed hope. As we remember the Lord here this morning, we need to understand that He is, even in this moment, preparing a feast for His people in eternity. And we need to be inviting. We need to be inviting everyone and anyone Who is hungry for what he offers to come and join in the wedding feast of the bridegroom? Lord willing, in weeks, we'll gather again at this table. Between now and then, will you tell someone else about Jesus? Would you invite them to become a part of his family? And to come to his feast, how wonderful would it be if the next time we gathered at this table there were new faces scattered all through this room. That happens when God's people get excited about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper is kind of a somber event. People say, well, it's kind of serious, Pastor. No, it's very serious. It's very serious. That's the reason that I've often said and I've told you before, the Lord's Supper will never just be an add-on at the end of a worship experience in our congregation. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it will be the worship service. We need to understand that those who come to this table need to be those who belong to the family of God. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know He stands ready to offer you a new relationship and a new life if you'll just call on Him and come to Him. But if that's the case and you've not done that and you're not ready to do that, we love for you to be here with us, but I encourage you, please, do not partake of the elements. This is for the family of God. Before we come to this table... We need to ask the Lord to examine our hearts. Are we ready? Is our relationship with the Lord what it needs to be today? Are our relationships with our brothers and sisters what they need to be today? Or do we need to take a moment and just talk to the Lord and say, Father, here I am, your messed up kid. Examine my heart. Show me the wrong. And Father, with everything in me, I dump it before you and say, make it right. when we come to this table, let's come with hearts that are prepared to commune with the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing together a song of invitation, of, of commitment. And you know your situation far better than I do, but I, I would ask you this morning, if you're here and you know you came here perhaps searching for something, not exactly sure what it is, but maybe it is that the Lord has drawn you to himself, and today you need a relationship with your father you can have it but only through his son Jesus Christ you're not sure how that happens or what that looks like I want to invite you would you just come and take me by the hand say pastor I need that relationship I won't embarrass you or put you on the spot but I'd love to visit with you pray with you show you from the word of God how you can become a child of the king today Perhaps you're looking into your heart right now and you know God has already turned on the spotlight. There are things you're aware of that are wrong that need to be corrected, need to be changed. Would you just have a conversation with Him? You want someone to pray with you? I'd be happy to do that. Would you let Him put your heart how it needs to be in these moments? Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank you for the promises that we find there and the truth that is revealed. And Father, I I know that at any time we gather in this room, there are probably some who do not know you. I pray, Father, if that's the case, that even now your Spirit will be speaking to them, drawing them. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that in these moments, if we've not already done so, that we would prepare our hearts to come to your table to commune with you and to allow you to speak to our hearts encouraging us challenging us changing us that when we leave this room we would go forth from this place more like Jesus than we have ever been before Father your word is promised that it will not go forth and return to you void. I know that every time it's spoken, every time it's read, it accomplishes your purpose. I pray today that purpose would be fulfilled, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, that lives would be touched, that hearts would be changed, that we would become a people whose lives, whose actions, and whose ministry brings glory and honor to you. And Father, as you have spoken and as you're leading, I pray, give us hearts that are ready to hear and make us a people who are willing to obey. Father, have your way in our lives. Do whatever you desire, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.